Welcome back to the AmKiss podcast brought to you by the Bonjour Agency. This is the podcast where we speak to people in the independent school sector. AmKiss is the Association for Admissions, Marketing and Communications in Independent Schools. I'm Simon Jones and in this episode I'm talking to Alex Hutchinson, headmistress at James Allen's Girls School or JAGS. We're going to hear how Alex became a headmistress, the challenges of joining the school in the middle of a pandemic, and what some of the biggest issues are facing the independent school sector right now. But because this is the AMKIS podcast, we also get Alex's view on admissions, marketing and communications in school. She gives us her insight from the viewpoint of a head, and I think you might be interested in that too. That's all coming up in this episode, so come with me now as we jump into JAGS and speak to headmistress Alex Hutchinson. Alex, thank you for being here and welcome to this episode of the AMKIS podcast. How are you today? Thank you very much, Simon. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm really well, thank you. Uh, just navigating the the Thursday and Friday on the way into half term, a much needed half term for all of our staff and students. It's funny, isn't it? Because in many ways, it's been a short half term. But on the other hand, it's been quite a long half term. I imagine that after summer holidays, it, it, I mean, does it feel like a longer half term than normal? Well, actually, this half term has been lovely because I started at JAGS in September 2020 in the middle of the pandemic. So this has been the first autumn term where I have been able to launch what feels like a normal school term. Uh, so it's been absolutely joyful. So even though it is one of the longer half terms in the school year, it's just been wonderful because we've had that full breadth of activity around the school. And for me, as a relatively new head uh, here, it's just been lovely to see that full activity programme going on for the very first time. Now, I was about to ask you, why on earth would somebody decide to change their change from one school to another school during a pandemic? But I imagine that in the position of head teacher, before the pandemic had started, you'd already applied and been offered the job, I'm guessing. That's right. So I was appointed in December 2019 to start in September 2020. And if you cast your mind back to December 2019, we really weren't the experts on pandemics that we are now. Um, and then obviously, uh, sort of February, March 2020, um, things started to turn serious. And so it was an extraordinary period for me of handover, because having been appointed in December 2019, I actually only came to visit the school twice before I started in September 2020. Um, but it was an extraordinary welcome from a community uh, smack bang in the middle of a pandemic um, uh, who really welcomed me with open arms despite those extraordinary circumstances. Well, it's great that you managed to get into the school during that time and settle in quickly. Tell me, have you always wanted to be a head teacher? Have you always had your sights on set on being a head teacher? Absolutely not. So I kind of fell into teaching by accident. I finished um, my chemistry degree and really had very little idea of what I wanted to do. Um, and so I thought I would do something useful and decided on the spur of a moment to train to be a teacher um, and started a teacher training course, uh, went into a classroom and absolutely loved it. Uh, so it was the most amazing choice that I could have made. Uh, and from there, I never really had any uh, absolute plan that I was going to end up being ahead. I did lots of different jobs. One of the wonderful things about working in education is the number of opportunities it gives you within the same sector. So I was a head of department. I was a head of science. I was a head of sixth form. Uh, I was a deputy head before I became a head. But it really was a process of, of evolution. I, I ended up just moving from job to job, being promoted, uh, probably being good at all the things that I did. Uh, and 
until that moment when when people started to say, Alex, you really should think about being ahead. But the funny thing was, Simon, I was juggling um, that because my husband is also ahead, um, and so uh, at that point we were we were thinking, could we possibly manage two careers where both of us were heads? And, and happily, it has turned out that yes, that was absolutely possible. Well, I'm glad that that's worked out, and uh, I can't imagine some of the conversations that you both have in the evenings. I'm sure that there are lots of parts of your job that you do really enjoy, and we we could maybe unpack some of those a little bit later in this podcast episode. But are there aspects of your earlier career that you miss that you're not able to engage in quite so much now? I think that's a really good question. Obviously, I do far less teaching now than I used to. We come into the teaching profession as teachers and that pace of change and learning as you go through various leadership positions and end up as a head is quite extraordinary. But we wouldn't come into education in the first place if we weren't all lifelong learners. Uh, and certainly at JAGS, we have a, our, our vision says JAGS a passion for life and learning. And it's certainly true for, you know, for me to be able to role model that as the head. Every day I learn something new. So there is an amazing learning curve when, you, when you're working in education. But obviously, I do far less teaching now than I used to, which I miss. And as a head, it's really important you take all of those opportunities to make sure that you are fully engaging with all members of the community. If I think about my diary today, um, I have my weekly meeting with the head girl team in here at lunchtime in my office at lunchtime. And that's just one of the highlights of of my week, because that's a real touch point for me with, with the student community. Another lovely thing this term has been, we haven't been able to have whole school assemblies for two years uh, because of the pandemic. And this term, we've started to do whole school assemblies again. And I still get ridiculously overexcited about them because I had two years of not seeing the whole school together. So there are wonderful touch point moments of, of really remembering uh, the key people in this, who are the young people in our school. So so the job evolves. Um, and I think that I am one of life's enthusiasts and have always been one of life's enthusiasts. And, and that evolution of a career from when you're fully immersed in a vision that somebody else has set for a school to that moment when you become a head and you are the person who's setting that vision and, and living it and seeing other people sharing in that vision is, is just a wonderful privilege. How would you say that independent schools have changed since you started your career in teaching? I think, I mean, I think within the sector there has, there, there's certainly been been change. I started teaching sort of in the, the sort of mid-1990s in, in the independent sector. And I think when you, when I look back now, schools have a far broader and rightly so a far um, more profound focus on pastoral care uh, than they did in the early days. Um, And I think that's absolutely right. Our sector has has a wonderful focus on that broadest possible skill set and broadest possible curriculum. You know, certainly, we, we have no desire to be some sort of treadmill that takes um, takes our students towards to, towards exams. You know, we don't want to be an exam factory. And that responsibility and that joy that we get around setting the really broadest, widest possible curriculum that covers enrichment and and all of the co-curricular activities that they have. That the pieces around soft skills, the employability skills. I feel very strongly that we have a tendency in the UK to to focus quite narrowly into higher education um, and higher education will say what are the academic outcomes that you've got therefore you can come to this university but we know as schools that we have a far broader responsibility around uh, preparing young people for life beyond school and beyond higher education. Um, I I think I would say that schools are much more comfortable places now um, probably both physically and you know pastorally and personally for young people they're much more comfortable places to be there are places to speak and places to be heard and that's been a 
really important development for us. I think if I if I think about the changes, the the, the emphasis on social mobility, the emphasis on on bursary provision, um, is something we're incredibly proud of here um, in, in our school. And I think it's absolutely right that the sector focuses on that. Um, I think if I look back on 20 or so years in the sector, I would say parents are more involved than they were when I started. I think there was there was very much a mindset um, in in years gone by that parents tended to drop their children off at school and it was over to the school to educate. Uh, whereas now I think parents quite rightly have a much greater involvement in that educational process. And I, I would also say um, schools focus on sustainability has become very much part of part of the agenda in recent years. So the, the, the sector has certainly changed um, in the 20 or so years that I've been in it. One of the words you mentioned there more than once was the, the pastoral side of, of school. And, and I'm not sure whether or not that's a recognition of the, the extra services, I guess, that schools are able to provide in terms of looking after looking after children, or whether that's been driven by the rise in social media. Media. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I think I think there there are there are many different facets to it, Simon. I think that the understanding of a school's responsibility um, towards the pastoral care of young people is absolutely fundamental to everything that we do and no decision that we we made um, w- would ever have that anything other than that at its centre. And I think that's absolutely right for for the position that schools take on it. It's a heavy burden on schools. It's absolutely what we should be doing. It is a heavy burden on schools. I think there are many, many reasons for it. I think as educationists, we have a responsibility to be broad minded, that the generation coming through school now are very, very different to the generation as we grew up. You know, you mentioned social media there. It brings different pressures. It brings a totally different way of life for young people. So, are social media and pastoral care directly correlated? I think the picture is much broader than that. Is it absolutely our responsibility to make sure that young people understand that social media can be great and there can be lots of positives around it, but it needs to be used wisely. And sometimes perhaps wisdom is not something that young students innately have um, because they're young people. And it's our responsibility as the the more experienced and wiser members of the community to say, to really to guide those young people into how to use this positively, but to avoid some of the pitfalls that can come with a life that can be lived on social media. Uh, You know, and I think if, if we reflect on our experience at school, it was perfectly possible to go away um, and to come back again perhaps the next day, having had a break from it all. 24-7 connectivity is a really difficult thing for young people to navigate. OK, so putting social media aside for one moment, what, what would you say are some of the biggest issues that are, that are affecting the independent school sector right now? We've touched on we've touched on pastoral care. Um, I think if I just if I carry on in that vein just for for, for a second, you know, the, the mental health of young people has become a topic that is much more openly talked about, and that is a good thing. Um, and I think schools have a huge responsibility um, and a huge um, vision in how we can support young people through our pastoral care in school, through our pastoral setups, through our counsellors, through our school nurses, through our pastoral leaders in school, and that will remain uh, the the focus for for, for for all schools in terms of the well-being of young people. We're obviously still in a period, Simon, of recovery post-COVID. Schools went through an extraordinary time. Young people went through an extraordinary time. What a learning curve we all went through. You know, in March 2020, schools closed, um, probably being reasonably pen and paper based. Um, And a week later, we were online schools. That's an amazing learning curve. But my goodness, look at what what the young people did. Look at what we did as educationalists. Um, But I think that 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 sort of coming out of COVID 
um, and back into a sense of normality. We need to take some of the good things that we learnt from, from what we could do, but there is still recovery for the community um, given that extraordinary experience that, that, that we had. I think for other um, issues affecting the sector at the moment, um, we are living in uncertain times. No school can be complacent in any aspect of its offering, whether that is the support that we're offering to our students and our parents, or the need for us to be really on our toes in terms of what our what our offering is and what the sector and what individual schools can bring. So that you know that, that, that it is an important and pivotal time for the sector in how we how we respond to that. And I think. At this point, you know, not everybody sees the, the place and the importance of what the independent sector can bring. Um, and there is, there is so much uh, that, that we can talk about there in terms of what this sector can bring to the lives of young people as well. Now, one of the things you mentioned there was uncertain times. I mean, if, 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 if I was working in, in a school's admissions team or in a marketing communications role, then what would be a good way, do you think, for me to respond to something like current uncertainty in, in, in the climate, current uncertainty in the world and the political front in various different parts of the, of the world? How should I be responding if I worked in admissions, marketing or communications? And I think for, for, for all of us who work in schools, that sense of, um, of calm and of leadership is really important for us. We know ourselves as a school um, and this is the ethos of what we stand for. So I think, you know, for, for, for the departments that you're talking about, key departments in our schools are admissions teams and our marketing teams. This really is about understanding the ethos of the school, knowing what those really core tenets of what we believe in are. Um, and they're not going to change in a time of economic uncertainty. And so what can those key departments do to support the messaging um, around it? Uh, and for the admissions team, uh, you know, if we if we focus on, for example, the social mobility, the social justice area of it, it's really knowing why the school is so committed to bursary provision and being able to talk very eloquently um, about that, not only for those families who might benefit from it, but also for the families who make up all of our uh, of our intake to know that our school is enriched by the decisions that we make um, in these areas. So I think that that joined up thinking, you know, for, for the admissions team, for marketing to really know how they are supporting. This is the ethos of this, of this school. This is what makes this school unique. It's such an important team. Uh, and the jobs, uh, you know, certainly here at JAGS and, and across the sector do such a wonderful job of supporting all those key, um, you know, those key drivers of the school. No, I imagine that a lot of the people listening to this right now are smiling because you refer to marketing and admissions being a key department. And it doesn't feel like it was that long ago when marketing teams kind of almost didn't exist or if they did exist, then they were often overlooked in a number of different schools. But you also, also mentioned about the unique side of schools from one school to the next. And that kind of takes me back to my sales training days when we used to learn about a USP or a unique selling point. Do you think it's important for a school to have a USP or do you think that that's maybe taking something away from the pupil, the child at the heart of education? I think that's a really good question. And I think to a certain extent, all schools have a core educational purpose. Um, all schools have a, have a core purpose around the well-being of young people. But that ability to really understand in what is it, you know, we, we have to be honest, it is a competitive market um, within the sector to know what the absolute ethos of our school is and what makes us stand out, um, whether it makes us unique, um, but what makes us stand out is really, really important. 
and so if I, t if I pick up the theme that we were talking about um, in terms of social, social mobility, social justice, our bursary provision, um, you know, if, we, if we take that as an example, so just under 20% of our students here at JAGS are, receive fee assistance to attend our school. Um, we are so proud of that. Um, it's something we've been doing for a long time. It's very deeply embedded for us as a school. And that benchmarks above, uh, not the one wants to talk about benchmarking, it's sort of particularly in this sector, but that benchmarks above where many other independent schools will sit. And it really, really does make us stand out in the market in that, you know, the topic of diversity in schools is such an important discussion that we have now. And diversity, I think that the definition of diversity gets broader and broader, um, effectively as each month goes by. And when we put socioeconomic diversity into that conversation, our school really does stand out um, in terms of being a very real and a very grounded school. You know, this is not a gated community um, and only a few can enter it. We're very, very proud that our, uh, that our education is accessible to so many and genuinely believe that everybody in the community is enriched by those decisions that we make. And that's a really, that makes us stand out in a way that we're really proud of and absolutely think is right and central for the ethos of our school. Because sometimes you really do have to delve into what makes a school stand out because you can say, we're a girls' school, we're an urban school, we're a day school. There are many other schools that tick that box. So what is it that makes us different? It's our approach to bursary provision. Um, and of those um, that, that just under 20% of students for whom we support on bursaries, the large majority of those are on what we would call transformational bursary assistance, whereby we pay, if not 100%, the vast, you know, the, the very, very significant proportion of their fees. Um, and so for us, that is a commitment that we've made and makes us stand out um, as an individual school. I think the other bits around, uh, around individuality are so important. And, and certainly in our school, we have such a focus on individuality. There is no expectation that you conform to one personality type here. This is a school of individuals and we absolutely we absolutely love that. But so much of this, when we're talking about the role of marketing teams and admissions teams, is about that sense of what happens when um, prospective families uh, come to visit us on open mornings. Um, because that is the bit that that is the, the bit that you pick up really tangibly when you walk in and you think, I know I'm somewhere special because you've picked up the atmosphere and the ethos of the school. Uh, you know, and we know that the, the crucial role that marketing and, and admissions teams play in, in really getting that across when, when people come into, into the school to visit. Well, let's just talk about some of those admissions and marketing teams for a moment, because we, you know, and about the actual people in those teams, because we know that in, in all schools, there are many teachers, but sometimes AMCIS members that work in uh, admissions and marketing and communications, they often say that one of the reasons that they value the AMCIS membership is because they no longer feel alone, which possibly in, indicates that there's a degree of professional isolation, I guess, in, in their roles. Is that a scenario that you recognise there? I understand the direction of the comment because to a certain extent, you know, independent schools are in competition with each other and there is therefore a certain amount of um, professional isolation in that, you know, we have an aim to fill our school with, um, with young people, with girls who are bright, who are intellectually curious, um, who will thrive in the ethos of this school. Um, but there will be other schools, you know, that, that those prospective students might be visiting. We are in competition with each other. But I am a great believer in the power of professional organisations and the collegiality that they offer in order to be able to provide professional support. Because at the end of the day, we are all working for the same aim um, in terms of, you know, of providing a wonderful educational environment for young people and providing a really watertight uh, network of, of welfare um, and pastoral support for them. And I'm a great 
believer that the more collegiate and the more open and more welcoming that professional body is, the, the more everybody can learn and everybody's schools can be better and everybody's teams can be better as a result of that. No, I, I agree completely. I really do. Um, the other thing about AMCIS members is that they're often interested on how other schools structure their admissions, marketing and communications departments and to get the, that right balance of skill sets. How does that look at JAGS? So our admissions, um, our lovely admissions and marketing teams share the same office. Um, I, I don't think the two teams can really work without uh, being absolutely sort of hand in glove with each other um, because we because of that very shared purpose that they have. So in our senior school, which is around just over 860 students, uh, we have a registrar and an assistant registrar who split sort of between 11 plus and um, 16 plus and what we call chance vacancies. Um, and then we have our marketing team. Uh, we have in there, we have our head of marketing and comms, uh, we have our press officer, uh, we have our events and alumna officer, and we have our graphic designer who helps with all of our marketing material. And when you look at that range of responsibilities in there, it, it isn't so long ago that uh, that marketing teams in, in schools were, you know, I wonder what that team does. But when you look at that range of skills that we have in there, it just shows how fundamental the team is to the school. And I still think we probably all schools have got a little bit of work to do for the whole community to understand the real importance of what those teams are offering. And particularly if you're, you're in a school that is very selective, that is always oversubscribed but the work that goes on behind the scenes to really to streamline that vision uh, to make sure that vision is really clearly communicated and that everybody is living to the same core values so much of it comes through the work um, of the marketing team uh, to, to, to make sure that that message is joined up and certainly working with the admissions team to make sure that the young people coming in are people who really will live that vision when they when they arrive here it, it, you know it, it's great to see I'm really glad you said that that's fantastic Alex we, we know that well-being is uh, is a hot topic right now. Uh, I'd love to talk about you for a moment. What what sort of things do you do to look after your own well-being? That's a good question. Um, and I, I'm a great believer. I, I, I quite often talk to other heads in terms of when they're joining uh, as heads in terms of new 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 induction for new heads um, and, and that bit about emotional resilience and how you look after yourself. And I think it's really important um, that, that we understand that what works for me might not work for another head um, and certainly won't work for another head. And so it is all, it is very much about our personal feeling about how well-being works for us. Um, and the hours are long and the job is much as we love it and it is the greatest privilege to lead a school. Um, there are days that are quite tough every now and again uh, and so I do think it is so important that we understand what works for us. Um, so, I, I, And you also know that my husband is also a head um, and so we you know, we have a, a vested interest in, 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 sort of in how heads work their own well-being. So we have a very, very, very lovely uh, Cocker Spaniel called Scrumpy um, who is a great delight um, and uh, she, uh, so there was a lot of walking uh, so we absolutely love walking so downtime, uh, any day uh, away from school that is spent outdoors is a day really, really well spent for us. Being out and about um, and enjoying uh, enjoying wonderful scenery and lovely dog walks is wonderful. Uh, I am an avid vegetable grower to, to varying degrees of success. Um, so being out and about is really, really important. Um, and just getting that chance to empty your head um, of what has been going on is really important. Um, but also I love reading. Um, I do crosswords. Um, I when the winter months come, I love doing jigsaws, things that will just take your mind out of sort of what is such a busy job um, and finding the time to do it and not feeling guilty 
about it. Um, I make it sound like I'm perfect at it, but I'm not. Um, but I'm always trying to make sure I remember the importance of downtime away from, from a busy routine. Awesome. What was the last good book that you read then? So I have just read an amazing book called On the Marsh by Simon Barnes. And Simon Barnes used to be the chief sports writer for The Times and is an, is an avid wildlife enthusiast and, uh, and bird watcher. Uh, and he lives in Norfolk uh, and he has, um, he has an area of marsh um, around his home. And it's a reflection of a year in the life of the marsh. Uh, and he writes beautifully. And it is the most wonderful read um, about he and his son, who's called Eddie, um, who has Down syndrome, how Eddie interacts with the marsh um, and with life on the marsh and how Simon Barnes and Eddie interact and how the year, how the ebbs and flows of the years move through. And it is, it is, it is a wonderful read uh, if, if you like that sort of thing. Uh, and a very, um, he says, you must go out and you must listen. Um, and so I have made a concerted effort since reading this book to make sure that when we're out and about and walking that I'm listening uh, as well as seeing what is going on. So a, a very, very good read if you have some time for that one. I'm really glad that you've recommended that because it's always good to get other people's recommendations. And I must admit, if I'd picked up that book and read the back cover of that, then it's probably one that I wouldn't be taking to, to the till to buy or downloading on Amazon. But actually to hear your recommendation is very, very encouraging. Alex, just one last question before I leave you to go. From your perspective as head, what advice would you give to someone who's just joining the independent school sector or maybe moving from one school to another and they're just joining an admissions and marketing and communications role? What a great question. Um, and uh, we, we love new staff coming in. So my my main piece of advice for, for people coming into that role, and particularly if you haven't worked in education before, is to just make every effort you can to get under the skin of your school, to really feel its ethos. You know, we talked earlier about coming in to visit and knowing that you're somewhere special. What where, where do you get that feeling? What is it that makes the school special? What makes it tick? What makes the school laugh? What are the moments of real lightness and humour um, around? And understand the personality of, of the school that you've come into, because all schools are different. I've taught in quite a lot of schools, and every school has had a different personality. Um, if you're if you're moving into the sector for the first time, um, don't make assumptions about the independent sector. Really do your do your homework and do your research on what the independent independent sector is and what it stands for, and get rid of any sort of lazy assumptions or lazy rhetoric that you might hear about the sector uh, and the wonderful work that it does. And my final piece of advice would be if you haven't worked in education before, understand and get to know the rhythm of life in school. It's very, very different to working in any other sector. Uh, and, you, and you can come in having worked and had great experience in other sectors, but until you've worked in a school, um, you just have to understand the term time routine, um, the holiday, the out of term time, the holiday routine as well. Because it is, I, I promise you, unlike any other sector, it's hugely rewarding, but it can be quite bewildering when you first start, but it's well worth the move into the sector. Great advice, Alex, and great advice there for anybody listening who might be in that position. I should probably leave you to get back to your 860 pupils and when you get home tonight to give Scrumpy a good walk as well. But Alex, thank you so much for your time. It's been fantastic talking to you. Pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me, Simon. So that was Alex Hutchinson giving her viewpoint of admissions, marketing and communications in the independent school sector. Alex, I know you'll be listening to this, so thank you for your time talking to us today. I do hope you manage to get out for a walk with Crumby later that day. Now, just a reminder, AMCIS is the Association for Admissions, Marketing and Communications in Independent Schools. For more information on AMCIS, just visit amcis.co.uk. Now, our next episode is coming out soon, but in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.